Hello world and welcome to the legendary and award-winning series of life lessons known to the world as the Tech Republic Podcast. My name is Dan Patterson and this is the program where we try to make sense of business technology and what it means for you on this program. I'm joined today by Jonathan Fatigate, who is the executive producer of Stand Up New York Labs. Uh, Stand Up New York is a very famous storied comedy club here in New York City and Labs launched in 2013 uh, to make podcasts out of comedy. Now, the comedy community has embraced podcasting uh, years ago, but to make a business out of podcasting is something else entirely. Jonathan's going to help us understand that. John, thanks uh, for joining the show. I appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me, Dan. So uh, we're recording this via uh, Hangouts and, and uh, uh little headsets, but you guys have a hell of a great setup at Stand Up New York Labs. First, tell me a little bit about uh, the company itself, what you guys do, and uh, the facility. Yeah, so we started in 2013, like you said. We actually launched on January 1st. Um, it kind of started more as a concept. Um, like, it wasn't, and this is kind of counterintuitive, but like it wasn't like such a, a strong business concept at first. It was more of just like, kind of like an ethos there sort of it was kind of like comedians there's so much talent in new york there's so many like roadblocks in front of comedians to create content like let's just kind of give them a place to create that content and um so we had this space kind of above the club and it really wasn't being used there was a black box theater there were some things happening in there but not much so we said, all right, let's first start by building the space out. So we built out a studio. And it was kind of at the time we were, we were really interested in video and podcasts. So when we first built the studio, it was kind of for both. So we set it up so it could be broken down quickly. Green screens could go up. There was lighting. Um, and then the table could easily be set back up with all the mics. And we could start recording podcasts. So we kind of gave comics like the option to do both. And we started just, I started by just hanging around the comedy club and talking to comics and saying, hey, what are you working on? What do you want to be working on? Do you have any ideas? You know, and, and the podcasting thing is what a lot of comics kind of, they kind of wanted to do first. Um, the video stuff, some people wanted to do, but every comic wanted to do a podcast like right away. You know, there is that very interesting uh, connection that podcasting has with uh, a listener that is different than almost every other medium. The only medium I can think of that it is similar is talk radio and only because talk radio uh, has kind of a captive audience with people who are driving in cars. But there is there's this thing, this intimacy, you know, maybe yeah. it's because you are listening in a car or with a headset on and you're not passively listening, especially with something that uh, a passion area like uh, comedy, you know, that's not that's not a general interest uh, uh, type of of career for somebody. You know, if you become a stand up comic, uh, or if you consume comedy, you you really understand the the culture and the hard work that goes into crafting uh, into the craft of of comedy. So maybe it's that intimate relationship that comics already have with their audience and podcasting lends itself really well to that. You know, there are famous comics uh, who helped pioneer podcasting. Mark Maron, of course, is uh, one of the most uh, uh, notorious podcasters. But like you said a moment ago, there's so much talent 
in New York City or comes through New York City to do stand-up comedy, who were some of the the first uh, uh, people who, who comics who came in to do shows at stand-up? In terms of to do podcasts with us? Yeah. Yeah. So we wanted to kind of give it like um, we felt that there should sort of be like um, – a scale like uh, like we should have some we should really invest in some up and comers we should invest in some people who are kind of here and then some like people who are like more recognizable so um, some of the first people we approached uh, there's a comedian named Mark Normand uh, he's actually Amy Schumer's opener um, but he's so much more than an opener he's a headliner he headlines all over the country and he's an ins- an incredible comic who people are gonna be people are gonna know all over the world soon. Um, so we talked to him. We started a show with him and a comedian named Joe List uh, called Tuesdays with Stories that like they had a, and just to kind of go back to sort of the difference in the the listener, but against sort of like the video viewing person yeah. or the, just the relationship. Um, the fans of podcasts tend to be, uh, like you said, like there's, there's a different relationship. It's more of an intimate connection. So the fans tend to be of like, much more like ravenous they they're way more engaged they're into these people so we decided to kind of go after people who kind of had whether it was small or big already had that kind of a fan base and mark did so we went with him um we went with uh charlie murphy uh who was on the Chappelle show um and we started a podcast with him that did really well like kind of right away and then um there was this comedian who I was obsessed with. His name was Kurt Metzger, and he was kind of always at the crux of controversy. Um, every time there was like some big sort of a free speech controversy going on, like Kurt was kind of always in the middle of like every controversy that I would read about. And um, I just really thought he would be so great on a podcast. So I, I approached him several times, and he was really into the idea. He was like, I've got to have a great idea. I'm not just doing a podcast. And that, in retrospect, is awesome because so many people just want to do a podcast. They just want to turn the mics on and talk. And he really wanted to come up with a really unique idea. And he eventually did. And he and Sherrod Small, um, who actually has a new show coming out on A&E right now um, called Black and White with Christian Finnegan. But he and Kirk came up with this idea called Race Wars. And it was really about just the most honest, no-holds-barred discussions about race, bringing on all kinds of different people. And we've had everyone on that show at this point. We've had Tracy Morgan. We've had Ann Coulter. We've had you know people like of, of, from, from, from the media world to big-time stand-up comedians, and everyone in between has come on. And we've had people come on the show who are just blatant, like, racist dicks and Sherrod has been able to figure out a way to kind of like make a connection with these people and to kind of make them sort of look at things in a different way and it's been that show has been a real awesome experience to produce because I've learned a lot not just about podcasting about comedy but about you know racial tension in America and kind of you know and and all that stuff and politics so it sounds like the the key to attracting uh, and in growing an audience with podcasting is to uh, shorten the distance and friction between people and their passions. And the things people are uh, excited about are, are things that will draw an audience. How do you then, I, 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 we face this a lot in technology, uh, but how do you convert an audience that may be passionate about a topic that is also very taboo 
how do you convert that into making money? Like, how do you how do you monetize shows that uh, you know in traditional media advertisers may walk from? Yeah, that that's actually a really hard thing to do, and. Um, so first thing you have to do is build the audience, and that, that is one of the most difficult things to do. Um, when we first started, like the number to hit was about 30,000 downloads per week before the good advertising agencies would even look at you. And that's really what a lot of the podcast networks are doing. They're, they're going to other outside ad, ad sales agencies um, and getting repped by them. And then they, of course, take a cut. But... Yeah, the first thing you have to do is build that audience, and that takes a lot of time. And, and, and that really is the hardest part, is building the audience. Because once you have that number, the advertisers start to come. Now, we got once we sort of built up our audience and we started to make some, uh, get some attention in the industry, we were lucky to, uh, we partnered with a company called Digital Media uh, about six to eight months ago and these guys um the 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 company was founded by uh spencer brown and um he was the ceo of uh of uh, uh, westwood one um he brought in a killer team of salespeople, and since we've partnered with them um we now have sort of a sales force behind us which has changed kind of everything for us because a lot a lot of the time you're kind of at the mercy of this of this advertising agency that's that that's representing you and you know sometimes you it's it, there's there's it's so opaque you know you, you can't you don't really know what's happening behind the scenes so that that for us has been a big change uh that's helped us quite a bit and um and that so so i would really say the most difficult thing is building the audience because once that happens the opportunities start to just kind of come to you. So um, shine a light down that that kind of opaque uh, hole, if you will, it, and tell me a little bit about, you know, how how is this monetized? Is it a, a CPM or a CPC basis? Do you do affiliate marketing? Is it a little of this and a little of that? And what percentages do the agencies take? Is it enough to make it worthwhile? Yeah, so it definitely is a CPM business. Um, the cool thing, though, is the CPMs in podcasting are way, way higher than they're going to be in any other kind of uh, advertising. Why is that? So, I, I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier. I think it's a it's an intimate uh, connection, a trust that the fans have in the host. Um, so it, it, it's just it's almost every ad is a every ad. First of all. Almost all ads are live read, so it's almost it's not a there is a distinction between that and, a, and an official endorsement. But you know the the host of the show coming on and saying, I mean, like Harry's is one of our big sponsors, Harry's Razors. But we've had a lot of other we've had Lyft, we've had a bunch of different, uh, some you know a lot of unique kind of cool companies, mostly web based because you know your audience is global. Uh, but you know what when the host kind of comes on and says, Hey guys, I use Harry's Harry's is awesome. You know, help out the show by going on and using this promo code. Listeners tend to react to that. And the cool thing is they, uh, the, the sponsor immediately can, can track how fans are, are engaging with the ad. Yeah. Because there's that affiliate code. So what's always kind of been a question in my mind is what's the difference between, 
I hear a Harry's code on your show and I hear it on This Week in Tech and I hear it on a different show. So if I'm in the audience and I want to choose to use a promo code, why did I choose uh, Stand Up New York Labs promo code over another podcast's code? Yeah, uh, that that kind of goes back again to the, the sort of what the, the relationship that the fan has with the show. A lot of podcast fans tend to have like their favorite podcast. Um, and they're like, they're like really into it. Show. Yeah, they buy the t-shirts. They, they, you <laughs> right, know, tell right. their friends about it. They're always, you know, and that's kind of what's been really cool about podcasting is that it, most of the growth is all, it's all grassroots and it's because of the fans. Um, the fans are just like, for instance, one of my, one of my friends, he is obsessed uh, with Michael Rappaport's podcast. Uh, the actor Michael Rappaport has a podcast it's become kind of popular. And he knows that I work in podcasts. He's one of my old high school buddies who I see maybe once a year. And he's constantly sending me clips and, you know, and funny inside jokes from the show. And then I saw him last weekend and he just wouldn't stop talking about the podcast to me. That is the kind of fan that we're dealing with like a lot of the time. Not all the time, but there's a lot of those people out there. And that is, again, why the CPMs can be high and why the the shows just grow without that we've we've never put any money into advertising our podcasts we've so, never done any real marketing we've relied a lot on fans getting the word out there like that for us you know that's i i wanted to, i'm so glad you brought that up and you answered that question i wanted to ask i you know i was on a podcast network in 2006 and 2007 and podcasting was pretty nascent and and growing and uh, the network i was on bought uh, a, a lot of the traffic, you know, there are uh, arbitrage tactics that have been used forever and ever uh, by web publishers where, you know, you can use, now you can use tools like Outbrain uh, or, or even just Google ads and Facebook ads to buy an audience. But that is like a kind of a click and leave audience. And that's what we found with podcasting in the early days that they would maybe, maybe click play for a second, but they weren't that dedicated fan. And, yeah. and what you're saying is, is so reassuring because it's reliant on from particularly from a business perspective, it, you relied not on huge spikes of traffic, but instead a super fan or a collection of super fans to help spread a word of mouth. And exactly. So, so growth you, is always night. Growth is always steady. We know we've never really seen it just like explode yet exponentially, really. Right, right. But um, one moment could do that. We don't really know. I mean, uh, there are certain people that we're trying to get as guests on some of our shows who you never hear on podcasts who are huge, and those kinds of things maybe could do it. Um, you know, but then again, like uh, the growth of a lot of the, our comedians or almost all comedians, there are exceptions like Amy Schumer. But the growth of almost all comedians is more of a linear process. It's not just like an overnight thing. A lot of people think that, that that's what happens. And that kind of used to, back in the days of Carson, when a comedian would do Carson, the next day they were pretty much famous. But things have changed now. There's, you know, there's so, you do Conan and the next day you're just back to normal again. I mean, that's yeah. the way a comic's existence sort of is right now. Um, so it's more of a linear growth for comedians, but as they grow, they tend to have very dedicated fan bases. Do you think this is these lessons are applicable outside of uh, the world of comedy? 
at least in terms of podcasting? Yes. Uh, yeah. And podcasting. Absolutely. Yes. Um, this is what I would say about podcasting. At least, at least right now, at least right now, I feel like niche is sort of good, you know, to be super well-defined, to know who your audience is and exactly what they're looking for is very important right now. Uh, to do the podcast about nothing, like the Seinfeld podcast is, a, is I mean, if Jerry Seinfeld hosted, it, it would be huge, but the, but the podcast about nothing is going to kind of go nowhere, I think. Right now, uh, the podcast that's super well-defined, unless, of course, it's some huge, huge celebrity that has their own draw, uh, is, a, is a bad idea. You know, the, a podcast should be very well-defined. Like, recently we've, so now that we've partnered with digital media, uh, where we've launched with some really big concepts, like we've partnered with the UFC, we've started a new show called UFC Unfiltered with Jim Norton and Matt Serra. That is a super well-defined show that's also mixed in people who have big-time fan bases like Jim Norton and Matt Serra in the UFC world. That show exploded immediately. But not everybody has the, what the UFC has behind them in, that, in terms of that kind of an infrastructure. For most of us in podcasting, we don't really have many tools to work with. So you have to be really you know, really focused and know who you're trying to get to and then come up with innovative ways to market the show to those people. And you can be super creative. We use a lot of images. We, I, my background was in production before this. I'm also a really good photographer, so I use photography to help promote everything. So, you know, getting, arming my, so when somebody comes in to be on one of my podcasts, I I cover the room with tons of photos that they can use and I give those to them to promote and we promote those on all of our channels or short video clips or now with Facebook Live, we're live streaming things. You just have to constantly be in people's faces to say, hey, we're here, we're making this content and uh, you should be checking it out. So it's, it sounds like, you know, in advertising and marketing, there's this idea of top of mind awareness, Toma, where, you know, if you, it's, it's kind of like, what have you done for me lately? That, yeah. you, know, you may have had a hit, uh, but, you know, that was last week and, you know, we've kind of moved on. Uh, what have you done for me lately? And it sounds like Toma is kind of at the heart of podcast success and also creating a visual product from what is at its core uh, an auditory product that you have to kind of surround this audio experience with visual uh, things. Exactly. And, and you're right. About, and and one, of, one of the biggest, another one of the biggest issues that podcasting has is the technology just isn't there yet. There's too many barriers in the way for someone who wants to listen to a podcast. Uh, once you teach someone how to listen to a podcast and if they're into it, it's going to be easy for them. But I remember trying to explain to my mother what I did for a living. She just didn't get it until I literally had to go on her phone and, and show her exactly how you access these things. And that's one of the biggest problems. Another one of the biggest problems is the market is flooded right now and people are like, yeah. people don't know what to trust. So that's right. another, that's another hard thing, but still one of the hardest parts is it's, a YouTube video or Facebook has made it so easy to consume video at this point where you're just scrolling through your feed and the video is already playing and you see how people are already starting to adapt into the fact that the audio isn't playing on its own so they started throwing subtitles in there and that started to really kind of like that's sort of being mastered now but with podcasting it's still this sort of a process that you need to be you need to know how to get to it 
But at the, on the other side of the, of the coin with that, though, is that that's kind of what makes it cool also, where it's like, yeah, I listen to podcasts, you listen to podcasts, people in New York and like people in the know do, but all the other people don't even know what the hell it is. That's cool for us as consumers, but the people that are putting it out there, it's still sort of this like, you know, only only the select group of like early adopters are really doing it still, you know? So, it, yeah, like, a, so it's, it's a, a double-edged sword, you're saying. So it's like exactly. it, everybody wants to be part of a tribe and this is part of our tribe. At the same time, for us to continue what we do and make money at it, uh, and pay bills we, we have to grow the audience and to grow the audience it, it kind of inherently has to grow outside of the tribal boundaries of absolutely of true and cereal has done them if cereal has done anything it, it's i mean cereal is a great show but what was so great about cereal is that it got people who never listened to podcasts before to listen to a podcast um i mean people that i i went to high school with like their parents were like have you listened to cereal it's great like it's my first podcast now, how many of these people stuck around and kept listening is different, but the fact that it got people to engage with their podcast app was a really great thing. And I mean, look, when, when SiriusXM came out, and one of, one of the people that we work with at Digital Media, his name is John McDermott, he's an excellent, uh, he's worked in radio forever, but he, he ran uh, comedy at SiriusXM for a long time, and he talks a lot about the early days of Sirius as being, you know, we were trying to convince people to not to buy a unit for hundreds of dollars and then pay for radio. Think about how difficult that was. Right yeah. now, everyone's walking around with a phone in their hand already and with all the tools they need for something that's free. So really, it should be an easier. Uh, it should be easier to convert these people. And at the same time, Sirius has done a really bad job with their on-demand content. Um, people I think are start, gonna start getting sick of paying for it also. So I think we're kind of like, uh, we're, we're, we're starting to like sort of reach that moment where you know the tipping point starts to happen, but uh, we're still just not there quite yet. I, I wonder if it is, Serial is such a great example because it is, look, Mark, Marshall McLuhan famously said the medium is the message, right? And there's so many things that are inherent to podcasting that make it not talk radio. And it, it's not uh, all of these other things, but uh, the, the, the things that make podcasting endearing are kind of inherent to podcasting itself, whereas Serial was that show that people just listened to they didn't care if it was a public radio program they didn't yeah. care if it was you know it could have been on pbs it was compelling content and and that's what drove people to get get into podcasting are there are there other things out there that will help beyond zero that will help the medium grow and become kind of a, a viable uh YouTube or video like thing or is podcasting going to continue linear growth uh, forever and ever and ever? I think that uh, a, a change in the technology could could alter could could really grow the medium very quickly. One is to get it in the cars and in front of people. Uh, I know that I think like certain uh, 2016 or 2017 models are coming out with uh, some sort of a display that links to your iPhone. Uh, I think Chevy, I, I noticed in one of Chevy's commercials, they had it. And you could see in the commercial, there was that podcast button sitting on that screen. I think that 
like, look, I still listen to FM radio when I drive, and I listen because that button is right there, and it's so easy, and I just hit it, and music plays. That is what is keeping FM. FM's not doing well, but it's still alive, and Cars. it's because that button is right there and so easy to hit. You don't listen to FM anywhere else, I'm sure, um, but there. Uh, if podcasting could make itself that simple and, and it, I, I can't imagine it could ever be that simple but to the point where where it's so accessible anyone could do it your grandmother could do it and there was just content for all those people um i think that would grow the industry huge so part of the problem is going to be again the technology so if i am this is this is a great the technology is a great place to to kind of leave it in and uh pivot to some takeaways here if i'm listening to the show and i'm curious about starting a podcast company or probably more likely i run a company and podcasting may make sense uh, to help augment my business what is what is the piece of knowledge that you think somebody should know? What is the takeaway? The thing that like, if you don't know anything else about podcasting, you need to know this if you're going to start a business doing it. I think, I, I think the first thing I want to say is if you want to start a business, if, if like for instance, like what you're doing right now, I don't know if you're advertising in this podcast, but like a podcast doesn't necessarily have to be the thing that you're using to create revenue. It could be the thing that's adding more value to something you're already doing. So uh, if you have some kind of uh, a content company or you, that's your that's your business, a podcast could be another way for people to engage with your website or or your product or whatever. Like, you know, I've I've so I so, sort of what I'd like to do with this business eventually. Like, let's just take Nike for instance. Like, I really feel like Nike should have like a Nike Fuel podcast, and it should be Michael Jordan interviewing people about being a champion or something like that. So I see podcasting at least right now. Of course, you can make money on on it, but right now is adding almost creating it's your own branded content for what you're doing. It, it's creating content. It's creating value for what you're doing. You, whatever your brand is, whether it's a media company or even a product, I feel like a podcast can add tons of value for whatever it is that your company does right now. And that and and that's before you even think about sponsors or anything. You know, you can be doing that right now for your company. Um, but if you are trying to start a podcast company to make money, I think be willing to to take the time to to really grow it because it's not going to happen fast um, unless you already have a big fan base that's already willing to to tune in. John, you are a true expert. Thanks for sharing your thoughts today. Where can we find more about Stand Up New York Labs? Check us out at StandUpNYLabs.com and check out our, our partner company, Digital Media. That's capital D, capital G-I-T-A-L, media.com. Mm -hmm.